Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, today we continue and pick back up with our series, Questions That Need Answering. We took a break last week for the anniversary. And by the way, thanks to all those who helped to make anniversary a very uh, exciting and uh, encouraging time. I thought it was just a beautiful time. And look forward now to the next 60 years. So you've got to stick around for another 60 years. Now we're going to have some, some old folks here, but that's all right. But... Uh, in this series, uh, questions that need answering, the first four of these were, who do you think you are? Where we looked at our identity in Christ and how we were created in Christ Jesus as his masterpiece to do good works. So we're created. Secondly, we're called, called by God. And the question was, are you going to answer that call? And then we're commissioned. What are you doing here, uh, God is saying? You, we commissioned. He has a, he's created you, he's called you, he's commissioned you, and uh, he wants us to be involved. And then the last one was on about confidence, our confidence in Christ. Do you know where you're going? Well, this, I believe the, teach, the scriptures teach us clearly that if you truly accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and he comes into your heart and is born again, then the Holy Spirit seals you, and it's a permanent sealing. You're not, he's never going to leave you, never forsake you. So that gives you that confidence to live a life of faithfulness, regardless of how things go. It doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want to do. It gives you a, a freedom to live your life and a confidence that no matter what happens on this earth and in my life, there's a home for me in heaven. And so that should give us a confidence and should cause us and motivate us to go out and share with other people so that they can know for sure. And this confidence is important because sometimes the Christian life is not always uh, a bed of roses. There's some challenges at times. So today's question, a very challenging one, why don't my prayers get answered? Well, subtitled, in the way I want them to. All of us here have probably dealt with this question. And, you know, we just be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we just say, God, are you really listening? You know, I'm praying, and you're just not coming through with what, I, what I'm asking for. Well, just to kind of lay out, in case you're here, some, some of you guests that are here, I want you to know for sure, I believe, and the Bible teaches, God does answer prayer. Amen? Period. He answers prayer. But some pastor, I don't know who came up with this, uh, Bill Hybels put it in one of his books, but it says, if the timing is wrong, God says what? If you are wrong, God says, if the request is wrong, God says, but if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says, go. Well, that's not a biblical passage there, but it kind of gives us an idea that God does answer prayer, but it's not like God is some great vending machine up in the sky, and we just put our prayers in there, and out comes that, you know, that honey bun that we want. You know, E5, that honey bun. Too many times just some healthy snack drops down by mistake, and I say, what is this? You know, I wanted a honey bun. 
Well, sometimes God wants to have you that healthy snack rather than the honey bun uh, for that. But as much as we believe this, we need to address the, the, the elephant in the room, which is why don't my prayers get answered? We know God answers prayer. But what about my prayers, my individual needs? Does he answer my needs? And why does it seem like he doesn't? Well, you see, there's really two parties in prayer. There's God and then there's us. Prayer begins and ends with God. And we have to keep that in, in motion. As I mentioned, prayer is not some vending machine apparatus for us to get what we want from God. Prayer is our communication with God to get His direction and will for our life and for us to change. Our prayer should be not, Thy will be changed, but Thy will be done. So, you know, we, we, we kind of keep that in mind, that prayer is not just something that you get whatever you want, whenever you want it. And God is not obligated to give you those things. And he's not being mean, he's not being unjust or, or ugly in any way when he denies that. Because remember, it begins and ends with him. It's his will that we're seeking. So unless you would you believe that you are perfect and that your prayers are always exactly what God wants, if you are, then you need to step up here and I'm going to step down. But, you know, that's just not the case. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever is, that, is perfect in everything that you request. All of us have things for prayers that are just not adequate. So God has the final say. We must trust Him. Remember our series, two series back, Firm Foundations? Well, I said, you've got to believe certain things. If you believe God is good, that He's holy, that He's just, that He wants our good, he has created, called us, and commissioned us, and given us confidence, then we're going to be able to accept a grow, no, or slow from God. And then when it's time for go, we're ready for that. But we must be willing in our prayers to always be submissive to God's will. We need to come confidently before the throne of God. It's, it talks about that. Come confidently, boldly before the throne of God and offer your prayers. That means you have that confidence because you have Christ in you. You can come to Him. But that doesn't guarantee that everything you want will come true. But God does answer prayer. But He makes the final decision. So, to be honest, there's nothing we can really do about that. You know, God's going to be God. And we, that's, that's good. As I've said before, he didn't ask my opinion on this world, and, and I'm not going to give it to him. But the other party in prayer is us, you and I. And what I want to do this morning is to briefly go through a few points, a checklist in a sense, to make sure that you don't have anything in your life that is hindering, blocking access to God through prayer. Remember, God has his will, and it's going to be done no matter what. But on our part, we can do something about that. We can make sure. Because you see, oh, I, I forgot, I, I was going to do this before I uh, jumped into that. Fanny Crosby. How many of you are familiar with Fanny Crosby? No, she is not the model for the song, I Wear My Sunglasses at Night. Okay? <laughs> that is not the case. Uh, Fanny Crosby, born in 1820. Uh, is one of the most prolific 
hymn writers and poets in Christian history. Over 8,000 poems. But you see, she was, she was blind, but she was not born blind. She was born seeing just like you and I. But as she got older, she had a bad eye infection, and she went to this doctor who was obviously less than proficient in his medical skills, and he put some kind of gosh-awful stuff on her eyes, and it permanently blinded her. Now, her mother and grandmother were godly women, prayer warriors, and they went from prayer meeting to prayer meeting, church to church, doctor to doctor, praying year after year for her to be healed and see. That prayer was never answered, well, until she got to heaven. Several years later, Fanny Crosby, because she was so famous, a biographer came up to her and wanted to write on her history and began to ask her questions and wanted to kind of get kind of personal and said, well, what do you think about this doctor? Now, what would you say to him if you could find, meet him again? So she said, you know what, if I could see that doctor again, you know what I'd tell him? And he was ready to be blasted away. I would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because my eyes were blinded, my spiritual eyes were open, my ears were open, and I was able to do thousand times more for God in his strength than depending on myself. So she gave him praise for what she received. Even though that was her request was denied, in her viewpoint, her mother's and her grandmother's, and I'm sure everybody else is praying too. But you see, sometimes, even when we pray for something, like you would think having sight would be God's will. You would think that. But you see, we don't need to think about what God needs to do, okay? We just need to accept what he has. I'm sure there's been some of you here, or you know somebody, that is prayed for a lost husband, a wife, or family member, or, or friend, or decades. Now, many times they come to know Christ. You know, there are many cases that I've seen that that person has died and there's been no audible or visible sign that they were saved. Now, isn't it God's will for everybody to be saved? That's His will. So if we pray according to that will, that should happen, right? Well, again, that's our interpretation. We have to be careful. God overrules everything. Everything. We must. That's the bottom line of this whole message is that we've got to trust that God is good and that he's going to give us what we need when we need it. He just wants us to participate in that with him. We question and asking. So Fanny Crosby the 8,000 hymns that she wrote, just a few years back, I don't know, maybe a decade or two, a guy by the name of Donald Hustad, uh, which you probably never heard of, but when I was studying my uh, master's degree in music in a seminary, he was one of the big music history uh, heroes. Well, he found, somehow or another, he was doing some research uh, up in the area where Fanny Crosby was and came across a little box. And in that box were over 400 poems and hymns that had never been discovered before. And he was just overjoyed. You know, that was like an archaeologist finding the Holy Grail. You know, it just, that was, that, was, that was a great thing. One of those hymns had a theme 
And he actually found it in several of the hymns. But this is the first verse of this poem, this hymn. God does not give me all I ask, nor answer as I pray. But, oh, my cup is brimming o'er with blessings day by day. How oft the joy I thought withheld delights my longing eyes. And so I thank him from my heart for what his love denies. You see, she was saying, I'm going to thank the Lord even when it appears I'm being denied. Because I know he knows better than me. You know, just like a child who wants six helpings of dessert, you know, every night for supper. That's what they want. But that's not what they need. And a good parent would not give them six helpings of dessert. So, the bottom line here is, is God is God, and let God be God. Trust Him, but that He's going to do what is right. But we need to do our part in cooperating with Him. He has chosen. He didn't have to do this. He could do whatever He wanted. He could say, you do this, you do that, and you be this, and, and He could make you do that. But that doesn't, that's not the way He operates. He wants us to cooperate with Him. It's this relationship, this teamwork that he wants us to join him with. But if, if we're going to be on God's team, if we're going to have this prayer channel open and unhindered, we need to do some things, or either not do some things as the case may be. We may not be getting the answers we need from God because of... Now, I've listed seven here. There are probably dozens of them, but we didn't want to, I don't want to go all day long here. Very briefly, we want to look at these. And I want you to evaluate yourself. Got a few Bible verses that I give you. You may want to write the reference down on the, on the insert. But let's look at these. Number one, unoffered prayers. Uh, a well-known theologian, F.B. Meyer, said this. The most tragic thing in all of Christianity is not, is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Now, all of you may say, well, I pray. Yeah, we, I'm sure almost all of you here pray or say you pray. But do you pray about everything in your life, every main thing, every small thing? And do you pray with intentionality that God, that you're going to listen to God and that you're going to adjust to God? Many times we hope for things. And we say, oh, God, I wish I could have that. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a prayer. You know, a prayer is something that is specific and focused, and you join with it, and you put some effort, you put some skin in the game, so to speak, in your prayers. So number one, if you want to know God's will and receive answers to your prayer, you need to pray. You need to pray every day, throughout the day, with intentionality and hope. Secondly, you may not be getting an answer because of unconfessed sin. In Psalms 66, 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, what part of will not hear don't we understand? God says, if we regard iniquity. Now, I want to clarify something here. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as Christians... I would guess at least once a week, if not once a day, or once an hour, you sin, okay? You shouldn't, we shouldn't. God wants us to be perfect and holy. 
But we live in a fallen, sinful world. Now, that's no excuse, no excuse at all to say, well, I'm human, I'm just going to sin. That's not, that's not an excuse. But the, the verse here is not saying that if you have ever sinned, God will never listen to you. It says if you regard iniquity in your heart, that means if you hold on to it, if you focus on it, if you sort of fall in love with that or let it guide you and lead you. And if it's something that you just don't confess and turn over to God, then that's going to hinder your prayer life. If you're not getting some prayers answered, well, maybe it's because you're not praying for it specifically, or maybe it's because there's some unconfessed sin in your life. The scriptures are says clear in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is an answer to this. Just like there's an answer to number one, offer up your prayers for all things. As Paul said, be in prayer and continuously, intentionally and deliberately and consistently offer your prayers to God and wait for his answer. Don't tell him what to do. I mean, you can, but it ain't going to work. Yeah, you You listen for God, and you cooperate with Him. You confess your sins. A third one is unbelieving minds. In the book of James, though at this point in the next one, I have uh, passages from James. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Listen to this. Ask or pray in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not anyone suppose that he will receive any from, anything from the Lord if he is double-minded and unstable in their ways. Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 23 and 24, Assuredly, with confidence, I say this to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says, It will be done for them. If you offer your prayers, you confess your sins, but if you really don't believe and have faith that God really is going to answer, then you're going to hinder your prayer life. You've got to be committed to believing that trusting in God with all your heart, that He is fully willing to listen, capable of answering, and willing to apply that to our life, but according to his will, his design. But you've got to believe it. A lot of people pray, and then they're surprised when their prayers are answered. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Well, believe. But remember, you're putting your belief in God, not in your prayer. The belief is in God. And so, therefore, if you believe that what you're believing is, is that he will always do what is perfect and right for you in that situation, even if it's not what you want. You've got to take yourself out of the center of the picture and put God there. That's the way it works. Fourthly, unrighteous motives. Let's go back to James, a few chapters over James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You do not have because you do not ask. That's number one, okay? So he addresses number one there. Then it says, but when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Remember years ago, the old song, Oh Lord, won't you give me a Mercedes Benz? 
You know, I'm sure a lot of people pray that. But you see, it's obviously not God's will for everybody to have a Mercedes Benz. It's just not. Mercedes Benz are nice. But that is not a a symbol of God's blessing uh, or of any any case. But if you ask with the wrong motives, asking for something that, well, really, it's kind of selfish. You know, I want this person to love me because, you know, I want them. You know, or I want this job because it's got lots of money and good hours, and I can take lots of naps during the day. Or I, I want this friendship, or I want that job, I want this or that. We do need to pray specifically about jobs, about relationships, about our friends, about our health, about our finances, and about what we should watch and read and where we should go. We need to pray about those things. But the bottom line is, as one of those hymns that Fanny Crosby wrote, to God be the glory. That's what our prayer has got to be. You can ask for whatever you need. Lord, give me a Mercedes Benz if that brings you glory. But you pray for what you truly need. But you see, we pray with right motives that God will be honored and glorified. Not that I will be satisfied. Because if we, let me see what verse that is. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, be careful about that. Delight yourself in the Lord. That means your desire is for the Lord. And then he's going to satisfy that. If your desire is for the Lord, it's not for your desire. Because you, your desire, my desire, may be a little less than perfect. But God's desire. So if we delight in him, if we trust in him, and we want his will, his glory to be the foremost and premier, then we're going to be satisfied because that's what he's going to do. Next, unresolved conflicts. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And, of course, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass or have debts against us. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, your gift of praise or prayer or offerings or whatever it may be, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go your way and be reconciled to your brother or sister. Then come offer your prayers and your gifts. You see, God is just saying up front, your relationship to other people, it influences your relationship with me. Remember our motto, loving God and loving one another? It's not one or the other. It's both. And they both have to go together. If we don't resolve the conflicts that we have with our family, our church members, our workers, our kids at school, those in the community, or just some stranger we meet. If you're not willing to resolve conflict, to try on that, then you're putting a barrier between you and God. It's not God's fault. He's trying to say, he's telling you, 
He's shouting at us, you know, be reconciled. Settle your conflicts. I want to give you these things. But we get so distracted and worried and trying to protect ourselves and get our agenda that we fail to settle those conflicts. And, of course, a lot of it comes because we have uncompassionate hearts. Now, I think our church as a whole is very compassionate and loving. But we could always kick that up a few notches and make it more consistent and more evident. Compassion. Uh, Proverbs 21.13. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. So you see, God is linking together how we are compassionate to the poor, to the rich, to the in-between, to the white, black, green, purple, or blue, Republican, Democratic, whatever. We need to be compassionate in our hearts. That needs to be the core of who we are. When you address someone, compassion should be the first thing that comes. Not anger, not self-righteousness, not... You know, what's right or wrong, just I want God's love to be in, the, in this conversation, this interaction that I have, even if it's with a family member or an enemy. You must, we must, if we truly want that channel to God to be open to the fullest extent, we got to have compassion for people who are in need. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17. Whoever has this world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue alone, but in deed and in truth. Our prayer life is predicated upon how well we are in relationship with other people. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have every relationship settled, but you have to have compassion in every relationship. Because some people are just, well, they're just sadly uh, hard-hearted. And no matter how good, loving, and kind, and godly you are, they just ain't going to like you. They're just not. It happened to Jesus. And he's perfect. And And the people didn't like him. They were and sensed by him at times. But you see, we need to have compassion if we want our prayers to be answered. And then lastly, unhealthy marriages. Now, I could have put it with number five, but the Bible specifically addresses this, so if the Bible specifically addresses it, I feel obligated to bring it up. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as heirs together of the grace of life. And listen to this. That your prayers not be hindered. For those of us that are here today that are married, your relationship with your spouse has a direct link with your relationship with God. And that's why the scripture says, don't, let, your, don't go to your, let the sun go down upon your anger. Deal with these things. Now, it ties in with number five, obviously. 
and those of us that are not married here, we can apply that same thing to family members, to church members, and to others. Those in close relationships. Because if we're in a close relationship with friends or family or spouse, and we don't work to settle that and let compassion come through, it's going to distract us and cause us to pray in ways that are not pure and proper. So therefore, we're not going to get that prayers answered that we want because we are praying from the wrong premise. God wants to work in our life. He wants to do good things. He does answer prayers. But if the timing is wrong, wrong God says, what? Wake up out there, slow. If you are wrong, God says, if the request is wrong, God says, but if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says, go. You see, God wants us to have confidence, not only in our salvation, but confidence that he's going to hear our prayers. But that confidence is predicated on you and I doing the best that we can to follow the proper protocol of prayer. It's pretty simple. God wants to do that. He just asks you to follow what he wants. And that's what we should want. Because you see, 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Confidence. Ask his will. So we need to confidently ask for God's will to be done. That even, as, as a contemporary Christian song today, uh, that goal says, even if God doesn't answer my prayers, my hope is in him alone. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you would prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.